And now, it's the Florida Spectacular Podcast, hosted by Kathy Celestri. Find Kathy on Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Celestri, C-A-T-H-Y-S-A-L-U-S-T-R-I, on Facebook at Celestri Kathy, and visit her website, greatfloridaroadtrip.com. Now, discover a Florida you never knew existed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Florida Spectacular. I'm your host, Kathy Celestri, and joining me today is Ben Kirby. Uh, ben has spent the past eight years in St. Pete City Hall. And uh, if you're from the St. Pete area, you're probably familiar with uh, very recently former Mayor Rick Kreisman. Uh, ben was the director of communications for him. And during his uh, eight years working with Rick, I think there were some pretty interesting things that happened, um, some pretty great things, but also some, some, some things that were a little not so great, some things that were vaguely amusing, at least to me. And so thought it'd be great to have Ben come talk to us about some of the, the special things he did over the past year, uh, eight years. Ben, thanks for being here. Kathy, thanks for having me on. So, and I know uh, our listeners at home can't see you via Zoom, but I love that you have kind of a very casual bookcase look that seems to be all the rage with uh, Zoom Zoom meetings these days. I didn't know if we if anybody would be able to see anything, and I like I wanted to set it up with my A plus uh, background. This is our bookshelf at home. So, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I feel like in the past. Uh, well, two years now, it's been a study into people's personalities when you see them doing interviews remotely. What's on their bookshelf? It's a whole business. People I, style I, bookshelves, yes. You'd be surprised how long I spent on our bookshelf uh, before I joined the call. Longer well, than I want to admit. would be. Um, so, uh, well, you have free time, so you can do that. Yeah, um, right. you, you were eight years in the St. Pete White House, so to speak, or City Hall. <laughs> which is actually a great city hall. It's historic. It has some beautiful WPA art in it. Um, used to have some very offensive WPA art in it, but that was way before your time. Uh, and uh, over the course of eight years with Mayor Rick Kreisman, I think uh, there's a lot of things. I don't live in St. Pete, but I was always interested to see how things made it in the news. And I think the standout moment for me, it's not what you think it is, uh, was when uh, Rick Kreisman made national headlines by tweeting that Trumps were not allowed in St. Petersburg. Um, right. how, how, what was that? Was he just, uh, off the cuff with that or was that a calculated, uh, <laughs> uh, the Trump tweet, the famous Trump tweet. Uh, and I didn't look up the metrics of it as of today. Uh, this was a, this was a, uh, December in 2015. Uh, so early ish in the GOP presidential primary campaign before the election of 2016, and what then candidate Trump had said was, uh, we need to uh, ban all Muslim people from entering the country before we can tell what's going on or something horribly Trumpy to that effect. And uh, most, uh, you know, most decent people were shocked and appalled and offended and hurt by that. Uh, and, uh, you know, what, uh, what we said was this is aside from being hurtful and offensive and terrible and all these kind of things, uh, we, you know, we brainstormed a little bit um, and almost almost in passing said to one another, you know, there were a handful of us that kind of talked about these things and uh, said almost in passing, um, well, 
you know, what if, what if we banned? And of course the mayor can't ban anybody from his city. No mayor can ban anybody from their city. Uh, but it kind of came, came out. I was in the middle of, uh, uh, serving my kids dinner, uh, and, uh, our chief of staff uh, and chief of policy, Kevin King, sent me a draft of it, of the tweet and said, what do you think of this? Which is how we did a lot of tweets for the mayor, kind of going back and forth and drafting them and letting him sign off on them and send them. And, uh, and, and I kind of looked at it. I thought, this is pretty silly, actually. And I said as much to Kevin. I said, this is, this is kind of ridiculous, but okay. Let's, let's go for it if the boss says okay. I think it was tweeted at, I want to say 7.01 PM. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, might've been a little earlier than that. And within two hours, I would say, uh, I was getting calls from local media. And by the next morning we were getting calls from like MSNBC and CNN. It went, it went viral that quickly. Um, and Fox so News didn't call for comment. Uh, they did. Yeah, no, th- listen, I think we got, I think it was one of the few times we got like uh full national media attention. He talked to a, he talked to a newspaper in Israel about it. I mean, we were talking globally about this tweet for sure. CNN um, for sure. MSNBC, I think had him twice. Um, it was uh, ABC news had him at one point. It It obviously was national news and it's, you know, received, I think tens of thousands of, likes and retweets at this point. So hands down our most popular tweet for sure. And uh, as head of communication, you just gave all the credit over to somebody else, which is very generous of you. Well, look, Um, you know, the, the, I would love to, to take uh, credit for that and for, for other, you know, good tweets and social media and things like that and speeches. and, And there's a couple we can talk about that. I really liked a lot, but the credit goes to the boss. It's his name on the marquee. He's the one the voters elected. And uh, he's the one that's got to deliver all that stuff to it's his face on the Twitter account, not mine. Are you, um, uh, I mean, what was that like? Uh, you give credit like uh, to somebody else, but I mean, you were the head of communications for a fairly large city in, in Florida that, you know, his uh, tenure was, um, somewhat controversial to some people. What was the average day like for you? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a really good question. And it's, I broke the days up into uh, more or less two kinds of days, uh, days that you could plan and days where you didn't know what was going to happen. And most of the days I really didn't know much of what I was going to be fielding from the media at least. So, you know, the, the day, uh, would start typically reading local news outlets, seeing what was happening, uh, trying to predict a little bit what calls I might be getting. Uh, but usually, you know, these TV stations do their morning uh, editorial meetings and hand out assignments. Usually after 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I start getting phone calls, right, from the TV crew. Oh, we want to cover this or that or the other thing. And I either direct them sort of like a traffic cop to the to the right department or to the right person, or we set them up with the mayor. Um, so it was a lot of that, you know, the logistics of setting up a TV interview um, are fairly, uh, are more intensive than people think. Or even just, get, yeah. How did you end up with the job? Because before, before this, I think you were with the juvenile welfare board. Right. right. 
I was I was at JWB, the Juvenile Welfare Board in Pinellas County for uh, five, six years, something like that. And uh, and I left in uh, the summer of 2013 uh, to start my own consulting firm. And I had this idea uh, for a consulting firm, and the idea was that nonprofits had laid off a lot of their or all of their marketing and PR folks, communications folks in the in the Great Recession. And as we had come out of that, they needed to kind of rebuild that capacity. Um, and it turned out I was right. I was talking to a lot of different nonprofits and clients were coming on board. So this was August, September, uh, 2013. Uh, the story I always tell, uh, 2013 is, is when Kreisman was running for his first term against Bill Foster. Uh, and I uh, ran into... Uh, I, I'd been friends with with Kevin King, his chief policy guy, his chief guy for a long, long time. Uh, and I ran into uh, then-candidate Kreisman in, a, in Starbucks out in Tyrone. Uh, and so I walk into Starbucks, and here comes this guy. And it's early October. We're about a month away from Election Day. These campaigns are grueling. They're hard. Nobody should have looked as good as Rick Kreisman looked. And he came bopping into that Starbucks and he looks like a million bucks. He's energetic. He's saying hi to people. He's kind of, he's ready. I don't even know why he needs coffee. Just gonna, I said, hey, Rick, <laughs> how you doing? And uh, he said, oh man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I said, well, it looks like it's going great out there. And, and I kind of, I'm a political guy. So I want to know all, I want to look under the hood. I want to know all this stuff. I lean into him and I say, hey, Rick, what a, what is the polling telling you? And he looks me right in the eye and he says, oh, they don't, they don't, I don't know. They don't tell me that. They I'm don't just, tell me that. They don't tell me that. And at the, at the time I thought, well, that's really weird, but it's a, it's super smart. Kevin and, and those guys that ran his campaign, um, uh, Caesar, super smart, have the candidate do what he's supposed to be doing, making phone calls, raising money, going out, shaking hands and knocking on doors, doing the work of the campaign. Let them take care of the work under the hood. Well, it turned out he was winning. Um, and it turned out that not worrying about the under the hood stuff kind of kept him focused and engaged on the things he wanted to be engaged on. And that's why it looks so great. Well, uh, election day approached. It was about three days before election day. And Kevin called me and said, hey, uh, here's the deal. Uh, Rick is, is going to win uh, on election day. And we want you to help us with the transition. And I said, oh, this is great. This is great. How much uh, are you going to pay me? I'll write up a contract. And he said, oh, we're not going to pay you. And I said, great. And like an idiot, I did it anyway. Uh, because look, as the mayor of St. Petersburg, you're going to win. So I did that. We, the idea was uh, we, were, we, we sat down with him. Uh, and, and some other folks. And he said, look, I'm going to do the mayor's office a little bit differently. We're going to have uh, a chief of staff, a policy guy. We're going to have a communications director that's separate and apart from our marketing director. Prior, it had always, it always sort of served and been the same person. Um, we're going to hire some high-profile people to uh, Jessica Eilerman, small business liaison, uh, and running the greenhouse, you know, she had worked for the state CFO. She had worked for the St. Pete Chamber. Nikki Capehart uh, had worked for uh, Congresswoman Castor. 
um, and and an important person in the community, you know, Wayne Atherholt, uh, be hard pressed to find a more impressive uh, arts and culture guy in Florida, maybe America uh, than him, Uh, so on and so forth. Sally Everett for uh, government relations. Um, And the list, you know, David Flintham has won national awards for customer service, put him in charge of C-Click Fix. And then there was you. And there was me. And uh, Mayor called me uh, mid-December and said, look, I I want a communications guy, kind of looks like a press secretary. Um, Will you do it? And so I folded up my six-month-old consulting shop and uh, took the job. And I'm so glad it did. It was the best job I ever had. Well, it had to be stressful. I know that when uh, I was working as a journalist, which I guess I still technically do, uh, but when I was working as a journalist, I know there was at least one point where I was a source of stress for you. So uh, it, it was, no. uh, yeah. That's <laughs> the only time, I got to tell you, and I'll say this in front of everybody, it's the only time as a reporter I actually had a public official yell at me. Um, and I wear that kind of proudly then. Moi? Yes. Was it me? I yelled oh, at yeah. you? Oh yeah, you were hot. Um, it, it it quickly be it, it was uh it was what we affectionately now refer to as um uh what did they call it uh punami uh it was some sewer <laughs> discharges right. uh for those of you not in the St. Pete area they were um the administration and this is how I saw it later as a reporter the upper levels of the Christman administration were caught a little bit unaware by some of the practices of some of the departments that included uh, discharging mostly untreated sewage into natural river. Um, anyway, point is uh, that that was uh, something I was also impressed at, uh, you know, Kreisman went on to fix it, but it seemed like that incident haunted him for a long time, not with everybody, uh, but, you know, social media is a cesspool. And every now and then I would hop on over to Facebook and, It seemed like it didn't matter what the Kreisman administration was talking about. There would be some chucklehead on Facebook going, well, what do you know? You dumped shit in Clam Bayou. And it's like, you know, guys, it's it's been eight years. I mean, um, and then there were other things that happened, too. I mean, there was um, the uh, you're going to kill me, but I can't remember the name of the thing with. um, Wow. uh, The the super rich guy who thought he was going to be president. Give me his name. The super rich guy that thought it was going to be president. He gave money to St. Pete to increase decrease the carbon. Oh, footprint. Bloomberg. Bloomberg, thank you. God, I'm getting old. Um, when Michael Bloomberg came and yeah. named St. Pete one of the cities, that was that was a big deal. And I remember people sitting there, uh, basically accusing the Chrysler administration of, "Well, you're just doing this to help him get elected president," things like that. But um, you know, it's it's hard to be a mayor or uh, I think any elected official really in such a, such a purple state, because uh, in Florida, we have a lot of uh, divisiveness in our politics. And I think St. Pete is a pretty good um, microcosm of what's going on in the state. And that um, you know, we had this, I don't think it's any secret that Kreisman's fairly liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's fairly progressive with his apology, uh, policies. He put a lot of focus on, um, you know, trying to find a way early on to, to police in a way that was not militaristic. He put a lot of focus on the environment, the carbon footprint, things like that. Um, but then he definitely had his his share. The administration had its share of critics, too, because just as so goes Florida, 
not everybody in St. Petersburg is a bleeding heart liberal. Um, and there, there's, there's liberals, there's centrists, and then there's the conservatives. And um, I just always wondered what, what was the male like? Cause I see what people do on social media and it's really easy to jot off a post. So what, what, um, would you get mail from other areas of Florida about what he was doing or was a lot of communication mostly from within the city? Well, that's a really good question. Now we got, um, we got mail from all over the country. I mean, depending on what the issue was, especially after the Trump tweet I mean, people mailed him from everywhere. Now, if you're talking about divisiveness and, and horrible things, uh, I saw just as it happened, a fraction, small fraction of some of the horrible stuff that was sent to him. And it was so bad. Uh, it'd make you sick to your stomach. Um, for sure. A lot of it was sent, uh, was screened through PD. Um, it was so bad. Uh, I mean, I mean, and, and just because of the nature of some of the mail that he got. Uh, but I think, you know, when you're talking about contact in, I mean, you're talking about the mayor's action center, you're talking about emails, uh, you're talking about phone calls. And I would venture to say, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know this for sure. So I probably shouldn't comment, but I would venture to say most of it came from the city. Most of it came from within the city. I would also, you know, just a quick note on politics. I think there's a couple things uh, Mayor Christman Rick would probably tell you now is uh, that he believes is true. And I, I, I align with this. One is that Florida is a red state. Florida is red. It's just red. And St. Pete is a blue dot in that red state, much like Austin in Texas, right? Um, it's it's just a red state. It's just primarily a Republican state. And Nikki Freed, notwithstanding, it's basically impossible for a Democrat to win statewide. It's really, really tough. But when you look at the political makeup of St. Pete, it is primarily blue, if you will, democratic and progressive. And the other thing is that Kreisman often described himself in public and private settings, a pro-growth progressive, which at first I thought a little too alliterative for my taste, but um, is true and accurate. And you take a look at St. Pete where it was in 2013 and where it is today and the landscape and the skyline has definitely grown and changed. Um, but he also did things that no mayor had ever done before. We marched in the pride parade. We raised the pride flag. We scored a hundred on the municipal equality index seven, eight years in a row, right? We, uh, we made St. Petersburg a more inclusive city. We, we uh, elevated thousands of families out of poverty in South St. Pete. So in addition to doing things that you might expect from a more conservative guy, like making deals with developers, we did, we did progressive stuff too. So it's, um, it's interesting to watch the transition of St. Pete. I mean, St. Pete is, I think the largest city in the largest County population wise right. in Florida. So it is very interesting to watch because it's not a huge piece of real estate when you talk about the boundaries of St. Pete, but right. I did see a lot in 2013. Um, it's no secret. I used to live in a fairly, um, impoverished area of St. Pete. It, it did not work out well for me. Um, that area remains somewhat unchanged, but the areas surrounding it, I'm watching how things are growing. And um, 
it is, I think, I think you're right. There's a lot of um, things that happened that I don't think I agreed with as if, if anybody had asked me, which oddly no one did. Um, you know, I, I, I did not agree with the pro growth. I think it's lovely to see the high rises going up because it's better than urban sprawl. Um, but um, it did see a lot of growth. And it was, it was so interesting to me to watch how this city developed because it was really almost like parts of St. Pete that had been ignored for 50 years suddenly got developed during this administration. The uh, Skyway area down by the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, uh, the new Sunshine Skyway Bridge is very different than it was eight years ago. Yep. Um, it, it, it's just, um, it's a really interesting case study to me for Florida because I've spent a lot of time in other parts of Florida and um, St. Pete is in a lot of ways, not the biggest city, um, even though it is the largest city and the largest uh, populated, most densely populated county, Jacksonville is still much larger, Miami. Um, and I watch and I go to these places and I see the differences. And, um, you know, Miami is heavily influenced with the Latinx culture and also um, just areas north of it, very eastern seaboard. Uh, St. Petersburg is like this really interesting amalgam of people from all different places and watching how it grows. I don't know that there's any city quite working this way in Florida. The closest I would come up with might be Orlando, which is surprising, I think, because you think of Disney. Um, and of yeah. course, Disney isn't even in Orlando. So um, the city of Orlando is fairly progressive also, uh, although I don't see where they could possibly put any more people in Orlando. They're going to have to go into the atmosphere. It's That's right. I, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of those criticisms of Christman that I strongly disagree with is that, oh, he just, it was, he just focused on downtown and nothing else. Well, that's not true. One of the things that made the growth, uh, rather than just sort of blind growth, uh, downtown is, is the focus on neighborhoods, right? So it, it, you know, it's one thing to say, well, we'll just put a tower here, but it's another to say, we'll put a tower here and we'll focus on perfect example, the warehouse arts district. I mean, if we effectively built another neighborhood now, you know, I was just talking to some friends last night, the 600 block state theater. It's now the Floridian local six, six, two. This is, you know, you go watch your metal shows and dance and drink cheap beer all night. You don't do that on the 600 block anymore. You know where you do that? You go to the warehouse arts district or you go even further west. These, these neighborhoods, you know, cities are dynamic things. They're changing constantly. They're almost like a living organism, right? They're not static. If they're static, uh, they're dying. And you definitely don't want that. So they're constantly changing. I also wanted to say, you talked about living in South St. Pete and some of the change down there too. I think that uh, Christman talks again, talks about this better than I do, but it's a very true thing. So many of the things we did were like planting seeds, right? We were never going to see, we were never going to see that harvest uh, sowed in our time in office. Uh, we may not even see it, uh, in this next administration, but things like the CRA, you know, which is the largest CRA uh, community redevelopment area in the state. Uh, that's going to have a profound impact on that, on that area for years to come. Well, but it's really just getting started. No, there were some things. Cause I, I remember, um, and I'm sure you, well, I don't know if you remember the first one, but the second one, uh, I was a columnist at the Gabber when Kreisman took office and I was, um, very raw having, having really had a bad experience. Some of which was my own naivete. Some of it was just, um, situation uh there was a former mayor not foster before him that had 
really said and made some promises that things were on the upswing there. And I felt a little um, betrayed by a couple of administrations and city staff. So when Kreisman took office, I wrote a column and I said, you know, this is great. Basically, you've got some great ideas. Why don't you come take a bike ride with me through some of these neighborhoods and let's talk about what you think you can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had known him when he was a congressman briefly, just in the, the capacity of, you know, an interview with him here and there when he was working on something germane to our coverage area. Um, and, uh, he emailed me, says, let's go for that bike ride. Let's talk about it. And, um, you weren't on the first one. We did a second one when he was running for a second term, because I was really interested to see where things had gone. And we just kind of meandered around child's park in that area, which was not where I lived. And, uh, he was very honest. He says, you know, I don't know that I can fix this. I don't know that if I get, um, four years or eight years that it's going to be enough time. And essentially what he said to me was the best I can do is, is try and start. Um, and then when we met four years later and we were riding around, one of the things that impressed me um, was that um, his administration had started taking homes and the bulk of them were in the South side, which for those of you uh, listening who may not live or understand St. Pete, that is a predominantly black area. Um, and that's a, that's a artifact of segregation and uh, had been essentially ignored for many administrations. Um, and Kreisman had started taking these homes that had these just severe code liens and, and just problems and foreclosing on them, which sounds horrible, right? Because it's, why are you taking homes from Black people? But then what he did is the city would turn around and give them to Habitat for Humanity, who would build the homes and put families in them. Um, and, and what I found out is the bulk of the homes were absentee landlords. They were not owner-occupied. Uh, and I thought back to some of my neighbors who lived in these homes that had them and, and they were squeaking by. It was where they could afford to live. The landlords didn't care. The roofs would leak. I mean, they were really in bad shape and there was no quality of life. And um, I thought when he told me this, you know, I thought back about some of my neighbors. I thought, Man, what a risky proposition because of the optics and because you are putting people out of a home. Um Right. You, you, no matter how you do it, whether it's because their landlord can't give them a decent home or whatever. Um, but I thought, what a what a long term strategy. You know, you're putting homeowners there instead of renters. And, um, you know, I, I hope that that helps. I hope that um, at some point, because, you know, we uh, talk about gentrification and it's happening all through Florida. There's a there's a great little town, uh, not a town. There's a part of St. Augustine called Lincolnville. I don't know if you ever heard of Lincolnville, Ben. I have not. Been to St. Augustine, right? I've been to St. Augustine, yes. yeah. Yeah, seen Flagler College. Sure. Um, all that stuff. Um, steps away, right down King Street. Um, on the other side is a city, part of the city called Lincolnville. And Lincolnville was, until very recently, historically Black. Because at uh, when Lincoln issued the Emancipa Emancipation Proclamation, this was the area. It was a little initially called Africa, uh, Little Africa. Eventually got the name changed to Lincolnville. It was where... The, freeds, the freedmen went. And um, while there was segregation, Lincolnville had a very strong economy of Black homeowners, Black businesses, um, beautiful homes. You know, not your typical crappy Florida house that was built at a certain time. These are older stately homes, some of them in various states of repair. Um, and, and then what's happened as obviously the, the Jim Crow hold has lessened in the area, which is a good thing. Um, the The children, the grandchildren, the great grandchildren of these homeowners don't feel confined to stay in this area. So, 
as their parents or grandparents passed, they're selling the homes. And then uh, it's so close to St. Augustine proper. These homes are not cheap and the area is slowly getting gentrified. And so you're losing the slice of history. And so that was um, very much on my mind that this, the character of this neighborhood was changing, that the, the demographic was changing. You were losing something. I certainly don't advocate segregation, um, but it was sad. It's sad for me to watch the history of this neighborhood in this very vibrant city disappear. And so as I watch some of the gentrification happening in Pinellas County, that's where my head is. Um, and what I saw Kreisman doing was giving people a way to invest in neighborhoods they already believed in, but wouldn't have had the, the tools to do it before. Um, it's kind of a different type of, of improvement for the community. Well, that's that last thing you just said there is effectively was the, I think the heart of Kreisman's neighborhood strategy. Um, you know, if you go back and look at it, what he ran on in 2013, a lot of people remember two big things, raise and the pier, but rebuilding and investing in neighborhoods was a huge piece for him. His campaign website had one whole page dedicated to it. And that was it. It's, it's, let's give these neighborhoods the tools they need, uh, to invest, uh, in themselves. And I think we did that. I think you've seen some, uh, you know, what, what was it? Is any politician ever 100% successful? I'm not sure that I've ever seen that. Um, but I think I think we uh, spent a lot of time and effort, you know, starting with Mike Dove, ending with Rob Gertis, um, as they as they really focused heavily on these neighborhoods and investing in them, making sure they retained that character and that. Uh, when you talk to people in St. Pete, they say that a lot, right? I just want St. Pete to keep its character. I want it to, I want it to stay, keep its vibe. Um, I, I don't know if a day went by when I was with Christman that we didn't hear that in some form, right? So it was top of mind all the time, all the time. Well, and it, it's a hard thing in Florida, not just St. Petersburg, but it's a hard thing in Florida because we do have um, these cities that are built around, you know, not not only this, but the dynamic, but the not dynamic composition of these cities. You can go from one city to the next and you can see that they're built around Jim Crow. Um, right. and, and it's really, um, it's, it's a complex situation in Florida and it's taken me years to even begin to understand it. But, you know, when anybody comes in and tries to quote unquote fix what's wrong in a Florida city, um, it, <laughs> it's learning to communicate with each of the different publics, the way they need to be communicated with. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's been a lot. And by the way, you know, no example of exactly what you're talking about is better. I don't know if, if you have time or if you want to get into it, but you know, better than anybody, no example of what you're talking about is better than Tropicana field, you know, where they raised actually a number of neighborhoods that we call it the gas plant district, but there were a couple neighborhoods there uh, that were, literally paved over for what's mostly a parking lot and uh Tropicana field stadium. So that's well, uh, just, just to kind of throw that out there. Well, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about baseball and why yeah. the Rays should not let the door hit them on the ass on the way out. <laughs> but um, when we talk about that, one of the things that's upsetting, I think when I was working on my graduate degree, one of the things that uh, one of our college, one of my, fellow students did some semester, they did a seminar research project on was Tropicana Field. And it was something like 
22 individual neighborhoods and 17 churches were raised and right. just plowed over. Um, and, and of course, uh, that wasn't just Tropicana Field. That was the interstates, the, the 375, 175 coming in. And, um, you know, let's not even talk about Moffat Cemetery, which uh, is now a, a parking lot. And um, right. that's, um, you know, you've had some, you talk about communications. Uh, the Ahurus um, were adamant and remain adamant about wanting reparations. And it's very easy. I know that um, Baker's uh, former mayor, Rick Baker, I believe it was his administration who classified them as a terrorist organization. Um, But when you start to pull at the history of St. Pete, I mean, you look at Tropicana Field and you look at, you know, these allegations that many historians believe to be true, that the cemetery was never moved, that you just put apart, not you, Ben, but uh, that, the city put a parking lot over the graves of black people that you displaced 17 neighborhood, 22 neighborhoods. Um, you can start to see where people are still very upset about this and it's not an easy project to tackle. And, um, you know, I know that there's been a lot, we talk about the ball field, the different iterations of what it might look like. Now, ultimately I believe that will fall to the next administration to decide, right? In terms of what goes on Tropicana field and developing it. Well, uh, so where, where it stands right now is um, we went through a, a years-long visioning process, both with a stadium, without a stadium, um, what it might look like, lots and lots of public input um, that lasted literally years. Uh, and we got it. Uh, we, we received several p- proposals. Uh, the mayor narrowed it down to two. Uh, one was called. Uh, one was submitted by a group called the Sugar Hill Group. One was submitted by uh, a team out of Miami called Midtown Development. Uh, and Mayor Kreisman, uh, I want to say in December, selected Midtown Development to move forward. And now it's up to Mayor Welch to uh, move forward with things like a term sheet and a contract. So. That's that's kind of the state of the technical state of play right now. Uh, you know, there's, uh, as Mayor Kreisman said, uh, often and correctly, this is a multi-generational project. You know, Mayor Welch has a lot of work to do going forward in terms of not just the term sheet, not just the contract, but working with Midtown and working, keeping that community engaged. You know, I think one of the things that we did successfully was engage not just citizens of St. Pete, all 270,000 of them or however many there are now, but people who had a specific interest. And by the way, Mayor Welch is one of them, you know, uh, who had a specific interest and who grew up on that site and lived there and had a stake in it. And maybe went to a church there, maybe, you know, whatever, um, had loved ones buried in Moffat Cemetery who, who, had a stake and wanted to say, here's what I want the future of this to look like baseball stadium or no baseball stadium. So that process was very, very valuable. What's it going to look like when you and I have this conversation in five, 10, 15 years, it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think midtown development is probably on the right track, but we got a lot of work to do to get there. There's a lot of feelings. Um, There's a lot of feelings and you can't discount those feelings. And of course now, 
um, for better or for worse, you are not the one fielding those things. Uh, Rick termed out. Um, right. And so with Rick went you. Uh, but, you know, that means you don't have to, to worry about it. You can kind of sit by and watch and, and see it because you still live in St. Pete. You still you're raising your family there. You're, you're I guess, committed to the city. Um, <laughs> I am. I am very much so. Yeah. Um, what what last last thing I want to ask you before we, we let you get back to your your post city hall life. Um, what about working with city governments in Florida, municipal governments in Florida from a communication standpoint? What do you think is, is a little bit unique about that? Because I know you, you've done some other type of public sector work. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but, yeah. 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 Whatever you work with the president, all that aren't you very important? <laughs> but uh, what what what's different about Florida? I, I, I what's different about well, there's a lot different about Florida, as you well know. Um, but I would say, with respect to this job, uh, in terms of a communications job, uh, I, I, I I I think I said it earlier. I'll say it again. This is the best job I ever had, and I've had some cool jobs. So it's saying a lot. Uh, and the reason is uh, because as cool as it was to work in the White House, and I did, and in the Justice Department, and all these things in Washington, D.C., you're really, really uh, separated from the people. You know, in the federal government, they talk about things in terms of states. Well, what's Arkansas and Tennessee and Michigan going to do? You know, what are you talking about? It's an entire state. Here, I'd get a phone call from somebody who needed something. Uh, and we could connect them to the right people and you'd see, uh, the results of your work. You know what I mean? And, you know, it was, uh, or even stuff that was less noble than that. It was really nice to be able to, to get a call from Trevor Pettiford at Bay News 9. And he says, I'm going to do a story on, uh, the marketplace at the pier. And to be able to call one of the marketplace people and set him up with the mayor and the marketplace person and see that story come to fruition that night is really rewarding. Um, I know that may not speak to everybody, but as a communications and press guy, that's a rewarding feeling to be able to tell the story of what we did and see it play out in real time, to, to see it play out in my community. To, to go pre-pandemic, to go to a restaurant and have the TV on in the corner and see the mayor's face on an interview I set up and w- watch people nod as he talks about whatever. It didn't always play out that way. But I guess that that being in the community and, and affecting the change around you was very, very powerful for me. Well, that's that's a very nice view. I mean, that's, that's a nice yeah. thing to come away with, to, to feel like, uh, you have you have power that there's power with that that it's a powerful community. So. That it's an I, you know that it's an impactful thing, right? Like that you're you're telling the story in a way that 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 people buy. Um, I do think. Look, at, you know, Florida um, and St. Pete particularly, you, we're a very active city. Um, a lot of people are very interested in their government. They're interested in their politics and they're interested in the outcomes of their city. And that's rewarding too, by the way. It can be a lot more work, but it's very rewarding to see so many people who care about the future of their city and their region. Well, it's a different city, right? Yeah. Um, so they care because they feel like they're on the ground floor of something. St. Petersburg is not new, but it does feel like maybe the past 
five to 10 years, it feels like a new state. Uh, It feels like it's growing. People want to be on the the ground level of that change. And, uh, you know, government in Florida is a little bit different with our sunshine laws and how accessible we are. And and I think you hit it right on the head. Um, Florida government, St. Petersburg's part of that, allows people accessibility to their government, which energizes them. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely right. And thanks for spending part of your post-government time with us. I'm sure you'll be back in some form or fashion in another government. I hope so. uh, well, stay stay in touch, and um, it's been a pleasure just chatting with you about uh, politics and baseball. Even yeah, if I have Kathy. very strong feelings about that <laughs> baseball. Don't we all? Kathy, thank <laughs> you so much. All right. Folks, I've been your host, Kathy Celestri. Our guest this week was Ben Kirby, former communications director for uh, former Mayor Rick Grisman, uh, City of St. Petersburg. We'll see you next time on the Florida Spectacular.